Hey, can everyone hear me? Wow, mics are such a blessing. Um, I'm Melissa Simbala, so welcome here, everyone. Um, some of you may have known that my voice has been a bit under the weather this week, so I really am thankful for this, um, that you can all hear me. Um, there is a handout that I put on every other chair because <coughs> um, I didn't have enough. And so if you cannot see one, let's um, raise your hand and we'll try and get one to you. Um, you can share off a neighbor, that's fine. Um, we just want to make sure everyone can, can see it. Are we good? Awesome. Um, I also will ask, please excuse my um, cough during this session as my, my vocal cords chug up this hill here. Um, but yeah, if you are here to learn about burnout, then you are in the right room. Uh, about a month ago, there was a week where I was feeling shaky, I was weak, I was tired, I was just generally ill feeling. And I took uh, multiple COVID tests actually that week because my son had COVID. And so I assumed that I must have COVID along with the rest of the world, right? That's, you know, what's in my household. So that must be why I'm feeling wrong, um, bad, but I was wrong. And I was fearfully describing what I was feeling to my sister over the phone. And she actually helpfully pointed out to me, um, it sounds like you're experiencing symptoms of anxiety. And you know what? She was right. For those of you who know me, this may have felt shocking because I am not what you would normally call an anxious person. And I had never felt really strong physical symptoms of anxiety, and yet here I was <clears throat> starting to fall apart physiologically and I had no real explanation as to why. But I did have something to work off of. And that's, um, so my husband, Andy, and I, we work mainly at Shippensburg University. And as we had been on campus with disciple makers, serving in our local church, uh, we had recently seen more and more people who are anxious, exhausted, suddenly unmotivated, and frankly, burned out. So when I started having all these anxious symptoms, I was ironically and thankfully already in the middle of prepping this workshop on burnout. And its content has already been helpful for me. So I hope, um, as it has blessed me, juggle anxious feelings, you know, on top of having three young children, homeschooling, serving with disciple makers, as it's blessed me, I hope um, that it will bless you. It's helped me to slow down where it's appropriate, to make better choices, to be healthy, and most of all, just to receive the peace and the hope from God in the midst of a crazy world. Everyone's story and experience is unique. <coughs> I cannot perfectly tell you what is the cause of your burnout, nor can I give you a hyper-personalized plan to fix it. And many of you aren't even going to experience burnout, um, serious burnout, but you may experience a small microcosm of what burnout looks like on a daily basis. So either way, I want to offer you today the main tool of escape, which is the gospel. You may feel that you're burning up in this kind of desert of exhaustion, and I hope that this workshop will really just be a cool oasis of gospel refreshment that will begin pointing you towards rescue and relief. And if there's one thing that I want you to take away from today's session, it's this. It's going to be to learn from Jesus, to connect yourself to him by faith, because that is where you will find real rest and escape from burnout. So um, let's dive in 
You should have an outline on page 32 of your handout. You can admire that here. There's also a worksheet on the following page that we'll look at later, but for now, you're looking at your outline. If you want to start here with the experience of burnout, um, point number one. So the author, Anne Helen Peterson, she's an author of um, first an article and then a book called Can't Even, um, Why uh, Millennials Like Reach Burnout. And she says that exhaustion means going to the point where you can't go any further. But burnout means reaching that point and pushing yourself to keep going over and over and over. Josh Cohen, who is a psychoanalyst specializing in burnout, he writes that you feel a burnout when you've exhausted all of your internal resources, yet you cannot free yourself from the compulsion to go on regardless. Burnout negatively affects your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, and due to its complexity, it's not the kind of thing that can be solved with one week <laughs> of vacation. Um, Let's look at that handout that you all received. <coughs> if you have one all to yourself, then you can circle stuff on it. Um, if you need to share one, here's some extra ones. Um, if you need to share one, um, you guys can look with a neighbor. But I want everyone just to take a few minutes to glance over that. So it's a pretty long list. Um, on this, I've listed many symptoms that can be caused by burnout. And this list actually comes um, mainly from a book called Refresh by David and Shona Murray. I've augmented it a little bit, um, but they um, ha have put this together, and so I've used a lot of that. Go through, circle, or just look at and kind of track what are things I felt <laughs> recently. Um, as you look at it, um, one symptom here or there is not a sign of burnout. But the more you have, the more experiences you've had, the more you could be in danger of burning out. So take a few minutes, look at it, circle some things, and then I'll gather us back in just a moment. I'm going to gather us back in. I hope that was helpful or maybe even revealing to you about how well you're doing. If you've only circled a few, that's great. You're probably doing pretty well, and you can use what I say today to continue living with good balance and to help others. If you circled a lot and are feeling <coughs> pretty run down, then today's content is really for you. So we are going to dive in by looking here at some of the causes of burnout. And we're gonna look at three different causes. Environment, uh, your choices, and your beliefs. So your environment, your choices, and your belief. Starting with your environment, your environment is what's happening all around you. It's usually something that you have very little control over. When these environments are unhealthy, overwhelming, um, or sometimes they're just not designed for human thriving, they can really contribute to burnout. So an example of these is your professor who assigns you a crushing amount of homework every week. Your coach who has impossible expectations of your performance. You're in the midst of an ongoing global pandemic, right? That's true for us all. You are discouraged maybe from living in a culture that doesn't reflect your values. Your boss demands that you work more hours than you can handle due to the labor shortage. You live at home with your parents and they expect you to be around for families and activities and chores to the same degree that you were available in high school. Can you relate to any of those? Most of you can probably relate to more than one and the more of these environmental pressures that you have, the more you are going to be under stress. Most of these scenarios are pretty difficult or even impossible to remove yourself from, right? 
So you're a student and you have to do your schoolwork. The pandemic is inescapable. Maybe you can quit your job, but unemployment comes, <coughs> comes with stressors of its own, right? So clearly this environment has a huge impact on your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual energy. But when it comes to burnout, the problem isn't just around us, it's also within us. And so that's going to lead us to looking at how our choices can contribute. The most important thing to remember as we start talking about our choices that, that I want to frame our time here with is to remember that we're created beings. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're created beings, which means we have a creator. God, as our creator, has given us a specific design and a specific capacity. So we have a purpose and we have limits. And intellectually, we know this, right, guys? So um, when it comes to doing your laundry, you understand that your washing machine has a specific design and a specific capacity. Its design is for cleaning clothes, right? When your iPad or your iPhone gets dirty, you do not simply place it in the washing machine and turn on the cycle because that will break your phone, your iPad, and probably your washing machine. It's not its design. But we also understand that they have a capacity, or at least most of you probably understand this or have learned the hard way. If you walk around your house and stick every single bed linen and towel in your washing machine and then turn it on, nothing's going to happen. They're going to get wet, but they aren't going to tumble around and actually get clean because it has a capacity. You can only put in so much. And sadly, while we can clearly respect the design and the capacity, these purpose and limits of our washing machines, we often fail to do it for ourselves. So what is our design and our capacity as humans? God designed us to require <coughs> certain things like sleep, food, exercise, rest, restful relationships, and most of all, time with him. And he's also given us a capacity for how much of these things you need. And ladies, it's probably much more than you think or much more than you would like. Too often we make the choice to ignore our design or to ignore our capacity, and thus we slide towards burnout. So I could easily give a whole talk here today on just how much our bodies need good sleep or good food, but we don't have time for that today. So I have, as you leave um, over here or over here, I have worksheets that you can take with you, and basically it walks through kind of those different categories of sleep, food, relationships, exercise, and it has... Um, some scientific reasons for why you need those things. It has some scripture pointing towards why we need those things. And then it has some links to resources or books where you can learn more about those things. So if you really struggle with some of those, please pursue more there. And I will say as a brief caveat that there are seasons where we can skimp on some of these things and the Lord will graciously sustain you. So finishing a deadline on a project, you know, fasting, a short-term mission trip. You can do and without some of these things for a short period, but as a warning, if you let those patterns continue past a limited season, you will crash because your body wasn't designed to sustain it. So why do we make poor choices like this? Driving our bodies into the ground. You know, let's talk about that as we start to look at how our beliefs can lead towards burnout. So this can be that third subpoint there, your beliefs. Your beliefs are obviously tied to your choices and they really inform them, right? 
But there may be times when you're making all the right choices and you still hold beliefs that are pushing you towards the brink of burnout. So I can't cover every problematic belief, but I hope to cover some of the most common ones. We're going to talk about four different ones today. So hang in with me here. The first belief that we're going to look at, belief number one, you believe that you don't have limits and you can do more than you can. You believe you don't have limits and you can do more than you can. So remember here again, God gave us a design and a capacity. We create beings. And yet often in our pride, we act as though we have no limitations. And I really struggle with this one. So I'm right here with you. I am really good at just reaching down into myself and pulling up the strength of the motivation to get something done. And this is all well and good until suddenly it's not. Something crashes. You know, your body, your mental state, maybe your spiritual life just cracks. You step on the gas and nothing happens. If you live outside of your limitations, one or more of these things are going to cease to work. Belief number two, you must achieve your own value. You must achieve your own value. So at a heart level, this means that you believe that the message that our culture, which would be our environment, right? So you believe the message that our culture is telling you that your value comes from your achievement, your resume, the cool things you do, how many likes you got on Insta this week, or the amount of money you're making. And a lot more of us believe this than we would like to think. You know, intellectually, a lot of Christians know that their value comes from what the Lord says about them. But fundamentally, we live differently, right? And, and, and who can blame us? The culture we live in screams a different reality. You are valued by how much work you produce in this culture. You are. You are valued by how beautiful, minimalistic, hipster, creative, you know, whatever it is, you are in this culture. You are valued by your weight, your looks, your clothes, your health. So if you believe what culture says and try living by its reality, you will end up exhausted. And why? It's because the moment you achieve one goal, there's just another one to take its place. So you got an A on your test. Great. On to the next test. You got 100 likes on a social post. Now your next one needs to be even more attention grabbing. You got a raise at work. So now you have to work harder in order to stay competitive. Do you see what happens when you try and find your value in the midst of the achievement culture that we live in? Suddenly you'll have to skip family vacations, take extra hours at work, redesign your room every year as trends change, take part in every diet, protein shake, hair color program out there, whatever it may be to look the part, um, to, to play the part so you have the best chance of exceeding. And it's exhausting. If you try and live by our achievement-based society, it will lead towards burnout. So our third belief today that, that leads towards burnout, belief number three, is that you control your destiny. You control your destiny. So perhaps you've been told growing up that you can do anything, right? Follow your dreams. It's the Disney theology. Um, and it seems really, really well at first, um, but suddenly it's become a crushing reality. And if you don't accomplish your dreams now, it's all on you. You are burned out by the realization that if you are unhappy, it's your fault. 
if you're not on the path to getting your dream job, which pays well, have, has only a few hours, you know, is environmentally friendly, um, something you're passionate about, then you've failed. If you're not living as your authentic self, then you've failed. The initial freedom that comes from choosing your destiny when you were six has become an exhausting burden to the older version of you. Maybe anxiety is constantly knocking at your door as you try and evaluate if each and every decision will lead you towards your dreams or back towards failure. And sometimes it probably feels easier (coughs) just not to make any decision at all. Maybe it feels easier at the end of a long day just to spend hours scrolling through TikTok at the end of the day than to face the reality of making your future happen. Controlling your destiny doesn't bring the freedom it promised. It brings paralysis and crushing disappointment. The last belief that we're going to look at that can lead towards burnout is that you are always needed. You are always needed. This is the core belief that your family, community, friends, church, or even the Lord will fall apart without you and your efforts. You may feel exhausted, but you are afraid that if you stop, if you slow down even a little bit, then everything will crumble. The new believer will walk away from Christ and it'll be on you. Your large group won't have live worship if you step down and then people will stop coming. Your sports team won't make it to the victory if you don't work out every single day. If you stop, God will not be able to work. So you may be tired and you may long to slow down, but fear for the things you love propel you forward if you believe that you are always needed. I don't know if any of those um, beliefs, choices, or even the environmental situations really resonated with you ladies. We're going to pause here, though, and just do a workshopping activity just to help you really process through some of these things before we move on (coughs) to the better part, the hopeful part. Um, Going to have us physically move, but it might be a bit tight in here. I would love everyone to turn to the people around you, and um, I'll transition us each time. We're going to start by talking about our environment. And I would love for you to identify with the people who you're with, just very briefly, doesn't have to be a lot, if you are feeling mostly environmental pressures from school, from work, or from like family and friend situations. So find someone and in two sentences or less, just tell them if you are feeling pressure from mainly from school, mainly from um, work, or from family, friend situations, and what that looks like. Okay? Break. Um, Awesome. Thanks for responding when I clapped because I can't speak too loudly. Um, Stay where you are because we're going to turn to those people again. This time I would like you to talk about those choices that we talked about. Which, so turn to your people and which do you forego most readily? Do you forego sleep, healthy food, exercise, uh, restful relationships or time with the Lord? Which do you forgo most easily? Go for it. Thanks, guys. I know you could probably talk for much longer each time, so sorry that we only have limited time. Continue these conversations afterwards. That's why we're doing this. Um, we're going to do this one more time, but this time with the category of the beliefs. So which belief 
as you think about really resonate with you the most that you can fall into, that you believe you don't have limits and can do more than you can, that you must achieve your own value, that you have to control your destiny, your future, or that you are always needed. I'll say this one more time. That you don't have limits and can do more than you can, that you must achieve your own value, that you control your destiny, or that you are always needed. Dive back in. Can I bring you guys back in? As you've talked, I hope um, that it's just normalized your experience of whatever you're feeling, that there's probably someone that you've talked with who's feeling something similar to you. And I, and I really do pray and encourage you guys will just continue these conversations. And I know that was so little time, but just to get that ball rolling of talking about it, of helping to encourage one another, hold each other accountable. Because it seems like the odds are stacked against us, right? I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff going on um, around us, inside of us, that seems to be inevitably driving us towards the brink of burnout. So where is the hope? That is what I'm uniquely excited to bring you today in a way that, you know, a self-help book from the library probably won't because today I want to proclaim to you in the midst of your weariness the hope of the gospel. We're going to look today at Matthew 11, 28 through 29. I think that's on the top of the worksheet on the other page. So if you flip that over, you can look at it. Jesus says here, this is Jesus speaking. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't rest for your souls sound really nice? Let's look again at that verse and see what Jesus says about how we can acquire that rest. So he says here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, souls. So we're going to look at that, about taking Jesus' yoke upon you and learning from him. First, um, what does it even mean to take this yoke that Jesus is offering and learn from him? What even is a yoke? Some of you may know this, some don't, but a yoke is a wooden brace contraption that sits on the shoulders of an oxen, and it helps him pull the plow behind him. With one, you can also connect or yoke two oxen together, and they will help share the, pl- the working load together. So I'm going to briefly interpret this passage for us. In this world, ladies, you will labor. We will labor. We will plow a path towards eternity that will someday arrive when Christ returns. But we have a choice here. So we can do it on our own, bearing an incredibly heavy load packed by the pressures of the world and the sinfulness of the flesh, headed towards this eternity, which sadly will not be one of rest, but of hellish separation from God. Or, this is the great or, or you can yoke yourself to Christ. And he is the best partner to be yoked to, because being yoked to him makes the burden light. And he'll teach you too, right? We can learn from him to lighten our load, dumping out all of that junk from sin. We still have to plow a path forward, but it's towards a very different end. The journey and the destination are different. It will land in freedom and true rest in eternity with God someday. 
So you have been laboring and I have been laboring. We are all heavy laden. But if you choose to yoke yourself to Christ, you have hope in the gospel, in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus for the sake of your sins. And it is this that will set you free to rest. If you're not a Christian here today, I would implore you to take the yoke of Christ upon you. He is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls in him. Let's apply this, though, towards burnout, as we can look with new gospel eyes at our environments, our choices, and our beliefs. So we're going to work from the top down, right again, starting with environments. So you may be in an environment that's crushing to you. Your job, your family culture, the death and suffering that's come with two years of global pandemic, now war <coughs> in Ukraine. There's constantly been war and instability in the Middle East in Africa. And these are legitimate and often unchangeable burdens. So how does the yoke of Christ help us here? First, when you are yoked to Christ, you have eternal rest coming your way. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As Christians, we can find our hearts lightened by the hope <coughs> and the promise of God that someday these burdens that are crushing to us, they will be seen as light and momentary afflictions as they are weighed against the rest and the delight of glory. Your schoolwork and the way your boss treats you might not be able to change. But your perspective can shift as you move your eyes towards the unseen prize at the end. Practically, I'd encourage you <coughs> to meditate on heaven, on the promise of no more suffering. Memorize scripture to repeat it to yourself when you're in an environment um, that can't change. I've actually done this um, as I'm with my little ones. So I love that I get to be a stay-at-home mom. But it's also hard some days. Um, and there's moments where I'm just repeating in my head, like Galatians 6, 9, you do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, I'll reap. Or Matthew 25, 40, like what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And I need to repeat these and to keep my eyes fixed on eternity in order to make it through what can be a difficult environment. Second, as you yoke yourself to Christ, we replace and we revive our motivation to labor in a broken world. So look at Jesus's faithful, sinless ministry to a broken world. Wonder <coughs> that he died for you and that he paid the cost to cover your sins. And as we do this, it replaces our motivation to labor in the midst of the achievement-based, people-pleasing culture and instead can fill us with motivation to zealously do good works. You may still have a demanding professor or just be getting out of bed every day in a pandemic. But doing your work to present to Master Jesus, who has already determined your worth and value on the cross, to whom you have nothing to prove, this is a very different sort of labor. We can go about our day the same as before, but work that used to feel like slaving toil can now feel like a joyful offering. Let's shift to looking at our choices here. Where's the gospel hope? So remember in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus has to learn from him. As we look at our choices, we can truly learn from how Jesus lived on this earth. 
those things that God created us to need the most, you know, sleep, good food, rest, time with him. Jesus actually modeled balance of these in his life on earth, right? While there were times that he chose to abstain from some of them to serve needy crowds, he regularly stopped pushing to obey the boundaries of his earthly body. Jesus rested for 30 years, really, before beginning his earthly ministry. He was unhurried. He took enough time to eat so much that he and his disciples were accused of being gluttons. He slipped away from crowds seeking him in order to rest and commune with God. He surrounded himself with increasingly smaller group of restful close friends. Nobody had a more important mission than Christ. Nobody had a greater ability to actually help others and to work harder than him. And yet he stopped, rested, prayed, ate, and lingered with dear friends. Christopher Ashe, in his book, Zeal Without Burnout, he says, the things that we need, God does not usually need, right? We need sleep. God does not. We need food. God does not. We need exercise. God does not. We need relationships with others. God has had relationship with the Trinity of himself. God does not need what we need. And yet Jesus humbled himself to be born into a very limited human body that did need these things. If the limitless creator of the world could accept these limitations, then so can you. My main application for us to hear is just to repent of your choices and your rebellion against your creator. Remember the gospel and the forgiveness that you've been given. And as much as it is in your control, live in line with your created design and capacity. This can be extremely difficult, but we are going to look next at how the gospel impacts our beliefs, hopefully helping us to slow down and to do less. So let's look at the beliefs there. When we are yoked to Christ, we replace our burdensome worldly beliefs with light gospel beliefs. So let's look at these. The first heavy burdensome belief, belief number one, you believe you don't have limits and you can do more than you can. <clears throat> so we have to repent right, of pushing our bodies past the point of their intended creation to the brink of burnout. But the gospel offers us much more than just forgiveness in that area. It actually gets much, much better. Have you ever felt like you've had to push, push, push you know, your body past exhaustion? Maybe you even start hating your weakness and your limitedness that is keeping you from doing all the things on your to-do list, and you feel so much pressure from yourself or others just to keep going. I know I've felt this way frequently. This is the yoke of the world. But the gospel changes your perspective. You see, when we are yoked to Christ, we see that limitations are not a burden. They're not something to hate and fear. They're actually a gift from the Lord. God has given us sleep, food, people, himself as good gifts. And these things aren't there to hold you back and to hurt you, but they're actually there to bless you. It's actually amazing that we have to and that we get to step away from the burden of homework and grad school applications to fall into the sweet repose of sleep at the end of each day. As we take the time to fill our relational needs, we realize that these relationships make us so much better than we are on our own. 
the need to put food in our bodies shouldn't be wearisome. It's actually one of the greater pleasures that God has designed our bodies to enjoy. The amazing and the unsurprising thing here is that science agrees with this. You actually become more productive, energized, and have a higher threshold for stress when you stop acting like superwoman. When you embrace the gift of sleep rather than pulling an all-nighter, you will scientifically do better on the test the next day. When you take time to exercise three days a week, you will have more time and energy to serve those around you. And when you spend time with life-giving people and with the Lord, you will be happier and more effective at your work. And I don't share all those with the pitch of kind of, hey, here's the secret to squeezing out more, because that's just even more exhausting. But I do share this to tempt you towards obedience. There really is rich reward when we live within the design and the capacity of our creator. So please don't reject your limitations, but take Christ's yoke and joyfully embrace the fact that yes, you are limited. Look at belief number two. You believe you achieve your value. So as we mentioned earlier, culture does try to impose its own evaluation system on us. But if you have put your faith in Christ, if you yoke yourself to him, you can be free from the pressure to determine your worth with what you achieve or do or look like. There is a new truth, and that is God valued you enough to create you. And we know that he created man and woman in his image. So you have value because you are created by an all-powerful, good God for his purpose and joy, and he has declared you to be good. But then we sinned. You know, so did our value go down the drain? No. God himself valued you so much that he became a man and lived this messy, sinful, in this broken world. And then he died on the cross, even though he was without sin and without blame. And he endured all that with joy. And why? Because he says that you still have value. But things didn't even end there. He also rose triumphant from the grave, which proves that he actually has the power and the authority to actually be the person to declare that you have the incredible value. And then Jesus declared that when you stand before God someday, if you identify with him, you will not only be free from the shame (coughs) and the price of your sin, but you will be given the name, reputation, worth, and value of Jesus himself, God's own son. In summary, as Tim Castile says, we have value that is given, not earned. So ladies, hear me today. You are given the value of God's own spotless son. And you have a spotless reputation before the Lord. So no longer do you have to listen to the world's silly reasons for saying that someone is great or failing. So to you, to students that may have been failing tests and classes, much to your disappointment or that of your parents, Christ has already managed his responsibilities perfectly. He is the perfect student, and he is perfectly met with all the expectations of his father. And you are now seen and approved before the Lord with Christ's perfect reputation in these things. To those who are laboring in ministry, but despite your time or efforts, don't seem to be turning out effective disciples of Christ in the same way that that girl over there is. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are valued by the king and your efforts have not gone unnoticed. 
to those that keep on trying to impress your friends with your looks, wit, or social posts, only to feel like you fall on your face over and over. You can now rest knowing that while the rejection of these friends may hurt, it does not devalue you. You have equal worth as they, and you will find more comfort in the eternal approval of God than in the flaky opinion of hearts and likes. So ladies, it may feel good for a while if you're determining your own worth and if it seems to be working out for you, if people praise you, if you're trending, but that will end (coughs) or just come crashing down at some point, if not just become too exhausting to uphold. Jesus's yoke is lighter and he has already determined your value. You have value that is given, not earned. And that is freeing. The third belief here, you control your destiny. So we do the New City Catechism with our kids. It's a series of questions and answers that helps communicate deep theological truths to our kids and to us. And the first question goes um, like this. The, The question is, what is our only hope in life and death? Answer, that we are not our own, but we belong to God. The, the author, Alan Noble, points out that there is a deep, peace-bringing truth here, that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to God. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but we belong to God. If you belong to God, then he is in control. <coughs> you no longer have to depend on yourself for your purpose, your identity, your meaning, your direction. If you ask, he will graciously give you these things. Yoked to Jesus, you can submit your abilities to the Lord, recognizing that they are a gracious gift from him, and ask him, not Disney, not your feelings, not culture for direction and wisdom as you move forward in life. And even more so, if you make mistakes or if you regret a certain choice, you have hope. There's, there's um, hope for renewal for doing things over, for having new direction from God, from restoration out of brokenness. And regardless of whether you feel like you've ever achieved your dreams or not, when you belong to God, you are given identity, justification, meaning, purpose, morality. And in light of those things, the pursuit of a perfect job or happiness or whatever it might be just fades (coughs) in comparison. We can live as the failures of society if we are esteemed by the creator of the universe. So we can be failures of society if we're esteemed by the creator of the universe. He is in control, not you. The last belief today is that you are always needed. You are always needed. As gently as I can, I would just counter this belief with the truth that you are not needed. Only Jesus is needed. In whatever role you fill, it may be important, but we need to remember who is truly in control of every situation. It is only Jesus who can save a person that you are discipling, your children, your friends, not you. Each outreach event, job, or project that you run only meets with success if the Lord wills it to. Yes, He's delighted to use our excited service, but he does not need us to accomplish his mission on earth. The Lord has given you the privilege of serving wherever you are, and he can also take you away at any moment. He can raise up someone else to surpass you at any moment, and he can raise up someone else in your absence. 
Even more so, the Lord will provide for those who are serving. He will not leave them empty-handed because they're his children too. So slow down and trust in Christ. Yoke yourself to him and let him pull this weight that you are carrying. Don't give yourself up onto burnout, trying to fill shoes that aren't yours to fill. You will fall short because it is only Christ who is needed here. So for those of you who fall into this belief, this means probably saying no much, much, much more often than you usually do. Sit down, evaluate your priorities, and decide where and who you should be serving. And then graciously say no to the other requests. Transition out of roles, even if it leaves a gap in an empty spot behind. Mark things as good opportunities, but not for this current season. Ask people to follow up with you next year that you're interested, but that you can't right now. So you are no longer needed. Only Jesus is. Ladies, where are we in time? Um, it is time to wrap things up. There is a worksheet, if you turn this over, where I would love... Um, can someone help me? What time is dinner? 5.30. So we have a little bit of time. Great. Then we are going to take um, five minutes to just get started on this worksheet. And then I'll just call us back in just for one or two last remarks to send you off. Look at this worksheet. Try and help process through, write down some of these things to help get you started on what it would look to transition into a healthier lifestyle with your environment, your choices, your beliefs. Take some time. Go for it. Keep working on this workshop, uh, on this worksheet during some of your quiet time. Think through the answers more in depth. Um, I'm going to have you guys turn to your neighbor again and share that last thing, number four, with someone that says, one practical thing I can do this week. If you didn't get there yet, um, you know, I'd love for something that you can walk out of the room. So you know, if you were the person saying you need to get more sleep, then if you normally get six hours sleep, try and get seven this week. If you get seven, try and get eight. If you get eight, you shouldn't be in the sleep corner. That's enough. So, you know, <laughs> pick something else. Um, but with one practical thing. Um, you can walk out of this room for this week. Turn to your neighbor. Share that. So to wrap things up, ladies, we bring it back in. Um, again, just to reiterate what I want to take, what, what I want you to take away from here today is to learn from Jesus. Connect yourself to him by faith because that is where you're going to find rest and escape from burnout. I really pray that this workshop has been a blessing and encouragement for you and that it will help you to remember the gospel. And I pray that you can be you know, resurrected out of the grave of burnout. If you want any more resources on this topic, <coughs> on the causes of burnout, I would love to talk to you with you afterwards. I'm also, if any of you know my husband, Andy, I'm married to a walking library and he can um, help you learn more on, on almost uh, any, any subject in here and recommend a good book for you. As you leave, um, I have like a station here and here with those worksheets um, that I would love for you to take with more resources. I also have two books that I'd love to give away today to some of you. So one here is called Refresh, Embracing a Grace-Paced Life in the World of Endless Demands. Um, and this one I would say really emphasizes kind of how we can 
reset those choices like of getting like better balance and like sleep and eating and things like that. Um, extravagant grace, <laughs> God's glory displayed in our weakness. Um, this one emphasizes probably more of the beliefs and particularly when we are weak. Um, where does that land us? How does the gospel help? Um, so you can take these um, if you're a reader or um, grab one for a friend who you think <laughs> really needs it or share it all around your fellowship. Um, but yeah, be, be blessed by this. I'd love to chat with you more. And, and I really pray that you guys would be able to escape from, from burnout and encourage others um, from that trap. So let me pray for us and then we'll head out. Father God, thank you so much for these ladies that took a weekend to come be here at Women's Conference, even though that may leave them feeling burned out as they get up on schoolwork. <laughs> Thank you that they are here um, learning and sitting under you, under your word. I pray that you would give them rest for their souls, that when they are exhausted, that you would help to give them freedom to stop, to rest, even if that feels like letting things fall apart that they would feel your grace and the good gifts that you've given them in designing them limitedly. And I pray that they would be refreshed over and over by the gospel truths and how that counters all of the worldly beliefs that we can fall into. Surround them with friends that will encourage them and preach truth to them, and may they be wise friends to those around them as well. Amen.